0: About them Irish.
1: I can't take it anymore. I need national championship. This
2: is the four horsemen podcast.
0: What though the odds be great or small? Old Notre Dame will win overall. Steve, do you know why I'm quoting the lyrics to the fight song? Why is that? Because we are staring down the barrel of a college football playoff berth once again, looking like it's going to be the Georgia Bulldogs, and I'm ready for it. What about you?
1: I am ready, too. Not quite as ready as I am to see coming out of Ann Arbor, the search for a brand new coach because they are going to have to hire them after Harborough loses yet again in embarrassing fashion to the Ohio State. And when they are hiring, they're going to want to go through Dwindle, introducing the number one <laughs> introducing the the newest job board. Dwindle student debt is uh, as they are all about helping with the student loan debt crisis in the United States of America. Right now, jobs are flying off the shelves. And uh, now is an opportunity for everyone, whether it's just looking for uh, a a potential promotion or getting uh, something that's going to give you a better work-life balance. But you're also looking for some help with paying down your student loans. That's where Dwindle comes in. Uh, When you sign up for free, they will do a, a free resume critique, Uh, and, and then they can help hook you up with a job that will help you pay down your student loan debt. Or if you are looking to go to school, they will help you, uh, with finding a job that can help you get tuition paid as well. So go to, go to dwindle student debt. That's D W I N D L E student com. Let them know the four horsemen sent you Dylan.
0: Dear listeners, even when I know that ad bit is coming, he (laughs) still gets me every time he finds a way to trick me into thinking we forgot to do the dwindle ad, and it comes in with some elite-level GOAT co-hosting. <laughs> um, what a week um, I-, I can do for a perception of a fan base. I mean, I remember seeing polls preferring to play a New Year's 6 game to a playoff game, and as soon as it looked possible that Notre Dame would be back into the playoff... And after a was 55 nothing shalappin of Georgia Tech, this fan base has changed its mood. We said all year we were a decent, mediocre even, offensive line away from being a legitimate contender. I still believe that. I think this defense has peaked. I think the offense is peaking. And I think coaching is at its best. I think Quinn has done whatever he's doing. It's been working because the offensive line, after we rightfully criticized him, has bounced back. But enough of that. we got something way more important to get to first. Our very own co-host, P. Wagon, went to his first game at Notre Dame Stadium. Um, I'm sure he signed a bunch of non-disclosure agreements knowing the kind of trouble he gets in. But whatever you're allowed to say, P. Uh, how about you tell us about your week?
2: Oh, boy. Uh, where do I start? Uh, I cried seven times. Uh, Love uh, Really... Lou Holtz said it best. Anyone who's been to Notre Dame, you don't have to explain it. Uh, anyone who hasn't been there, no explanation stone to suffice. Um, it was wild just being on campus, and you're just looking around, and it's just the people. Even though I'm 30, I shouldn't be like simping over 22 year old boys, but like I am. Uh, I'll join I you. Held the door open. I held the door open uh, for Jay Bramblet. Uh, he said thank you as a Go Irish. I didn't realize it was him until he turned into the Goog uh, football side of the locker room. And I never had a chance to tell him I loved him. Uh, I told his mom that today as well. Uh, she thought it was very funny. Uh, Tyler Eifert and I were at Corby's together. That was fun. He's a very large man. I met Rudy. Yeah. Uh, but it was just an overall good time. Uh, real quick shout-out to the Dose Leprechauns podcast. Went to a live taping of one of their shows uh, at Algie's Locker Room in on South Bend Avenue in South Bend. Uh, Augie's Locker Room, if you're a collector, has anything that you could ever want uh, in Notre Dame memorabilia. Uh, so those, that's enough plugs there. I did meet Kate, Katie Bell, Kate's for Cubbies, on... Uh, Twitter and her husband Steve. Steve is a mammoth of a man. He's six foot four, former uh, offensive tackle from Ball State. Incredible people. Everyone was just so fucking friendly. Uh, and coming from the East Coast, it was definitely a little bit different there. Uh, so they were all very nice. Met her dad as well. Uh, Brent is a gem. Uh, but really, just being on campus, being there, and seeing everything—it's changed. The last time I was there was 14 years ago. So everything has transformed. Uh, funny enough, my wife's mother, so I guess my mother-in-law, uh, was part of the company that built the Campus Crossroads. So the new stadium construction, uh, she was part of that company, which is pretty dope. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's a very quick overview of everything. I saw Lisa Kelly again from one of our former shows, gave me a big hug. She just released a book, so go buy her book. Uh, Rudy also has a book. Uh, so spend a lot of money at the bookstore, spend a lot of money the whole weekend. And I would highly recommend going again. I think next year we're looking at Syracuse uh, just to see the carrier dome, but definitely get him back out to, uh, to the stadium.
1: So did you participate? Had- oh, Dylan, you go ahead.
0: Yeah, well, I was just, well, it's funny cause I've met Rudy too. So I wonder how often he's there selling books. Um, I went before the crossroad project, so I imagined it would be a lot since then but something i wanted to ask you is tyler eifert how'd that happen do you run into him or are you guys kind of buds
2: so we're not we're, we are both 30 or he may, he may be 31 uh we were at corby's i went to dinner at the Lauber, which is literally diagonal uh and the Lauber had amazing food uh we're just giving a bunch of free ads and i don't care uh so we we'd say all right let's go to corby's whatever Rudy was there, got a sign, play like a champion uh, thing for my grandpa. And I'm drinking a beer. My wife's having a tequila soda. Not important, but important to the story. And we're by, like, the Papa Shop machine. And there's this old man just breaking it down, just dancing. And I looked up like, oh, that's weird. And then this tall, skinny, white guy also looks at him and looks at me and goes, oh, that's weird. And we kind of connected and laughed. And I'm like, holy fuck, that's Tyler Eifer. And it was just like a really weird, I was like, I know you because I, you're you. And then I'm like, oh, he's a free agent. It made sense. His brother's on the team, I think. I saw him driving a golf cart around campus. It was just a kind of a happenstance thing. And I was like, hey, you're Tyler Eifer. He goes, yes, I am. Like, he just confirmed it for me. It was just very, very odd, but he's a cool guy.
0: Okay, one more before Steve jumps in. Um. Did you name drop the pod all weekend and to who?
2: Twice, once to Lisa Kelly, so she realized it wasn't just a strange man talking to her. Of course. And once at Audie's locker room to see if we could get some uh, promo codes. And did he we? Me, no, he gave me ten dollars off something I bought.
0: Well, maybe we got a listener. If uh, if that
1: fella's is listening, let us know, <laughs> and uh,
0: we'll we'll thank you. You're yeah, good, guy, Jim. <laughs>
1: uh and did you participate in any of the traditional activities because you know i've still never been out to a game so like you know grotto trumpets like a, a, anything a game day walk so
2: friday we did a three-hour self-guided tour uh it was really cool i guess from covid they had to do these tours and you could put like headphones in and do have a priest like walk you through campus pretty much so because i've been there before and i'm psychotic i already knew the history of it and I just took the walking tour and I was like, all right, we're starting in the bookstore. We're going to walk all around. It took you to uh, you got to go inside the administration building, went inside the chapel or the Basilica, saw all the statues, got down to the grotto, all at the grotto, saw the original building that uh, Father Soren built, the log cabin, all of that. So we did a full tour, took about three hours all altogether. Uh, we did Trumpets Under the Dome. So it was outside. That was really cool. Uh, I didn't do the midnight drum circle because I was hammered, eating insomnia cookies, uh, drinking a pint of milk uh, at midnight. So, fair. That's how my then. ended. Good lad. Uh, and then we did the player walk. I made Tommy Reese laugh. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, no, did he know? Did,
0: did, did Coach Reese know who you were? Because you've interacted with him a few times.
2: There's a 50 50 chance. It's like very. Probable that he did, but it took him a few seconds to process that. I go, everyone's walking through, and Brian Kelly's there. I saw Kyron, Jay, Harrison, all of them. All and the stars. Tommy's, yeah, you know, all, all my special teamers. And Tommy's at the back. I go, hey, Tommy, you look great. And it took him, like, three or four seconds to process, and he whipped his head around and laughed. So I, there's a
0: 50-50 chance he knew it was me.
2: Lovely. And Harrison got his kick. Got to talk to him about that. That was fun.
0: Yeah, it was a big day for you. Uh, you oh. had a lot of special team help, plus you were there. You had good seats, too. How was How was the actual uh, game? And did and Notre Dame? That's your first time going to a game, though, right? right? No, I've been to five. This is my fifth game. At Notre Dame? No. Fifth time just game ever. How first many time at-, at
2: Notre Dame.
0: Right, so... What was it like being at the stadium for the first time? Because I wonder if it's a lot like my experience. So
2: where I was in section 109, which was like an upper, it was almost like being a coach looking down on the field, which I preferred. And the whole mantra of, oh, Notre Dame fans are assholes, will tell you to sit down and all that, that wasn't true in my area at all. We almost had like this unspoken bond that if a big play happened, we would all stand up together. So it was, I had a very friendly section. Like there was one just absolutely bomb guy trying to do push-ups and he almost fell uh, off the section a couple of times. But uh, other than that, we had a couple of parents and kids around us. We had a girl who was more knowledgeable than all of us on the podcast. I knew every single player by number, which was wild. Uh, and they were there uh, behind us. But when I stood up to cheer... Uh, when I lost my shit after Myron scored, uh, they all lost their shit as well. So it wasn't just like, oh, down in front, all that. Like, you hear the gold seeders do that, I guess. But it was fine. I snuck into the student section for a little bit. Uh, so that, that was cool to see the game from that angle as well.
0: Nice, and you had a good atmosphere as well. It was It was pretty loud for a senior day game. I was,
2: yeah. People say that, like, Notre Dame isn't a hard place to play. I don't know if it was because of a senior day or because this new purge third down music that they're playing just gets people fucking camped. Uh, but we got what? False start, timeout, delay a game. There there was some sequence that we cost their quarterback 15 yards and penalties. And it was it was one of the louder stadiums I've been at.
0: Yeah, I've always found those myths uh, or to be myths, at least with my experience when I went. It was it was it was a night game and it was a rival, but very loud. Everyone stood in my section. Um, so I, I never quite understood where, where some of those Notre Dame fans were coming from. Uh, but Steve, you're the last one to have uh, been at a Notre Dame game at Notre Dame. Uh, when's uh, when when's the stop? When, when are you making the plan? Uh,
1: hopefully next year. I do want to I'm, I'm stuck between Columbus or Clemson. I do want to do both, but like I just came back for my eighth wedding this year and I have another six next year and it's just like is not going to friggin' stop anytime soon and I'm going completely insane and for broke, but I am absolutely unequivocally making it to a game next year somehow.
0: So
1: you've got 14 weddings? 14 weddings in two years. That is correct.
0: I don't know 14 people. How do you have 14 weddings to go to?
1: Um, yeah, all my high school friends all got married at the same time. And then Maddie had, I think we've been to three of her nursing school friend weddings. Damn. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you're a trooper. I'm at five.
1: You're at five. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think after I do my six next year, I'll probably have probably another three or four the year after. So it's like, it just doesn't end. Wow. So. Good weekend for everyone. Um,
0: Irish win big. Um, Jack Cohn with another fantastic game. Offensive line held beautifully. Um, defense was a menace. I mean, Isaiah Foskey. Is he is a G. He's one Stephon of the Tewit. best. He's one of the best defensive ends I've seen at Notre Dame. I'd say Stephon may maybe a little bit better. Uh, but Foskey is still only in his third year. Um, what a monster! The blocking for Myron on a touchdown—that that was—that's like, a team player, made, man. You, you you shed a tear seeing that, right? This guy is blocking him thirty yards down the field so his teammate can score a touchdown on Senior Day. Like, what a guy! What a guy! I thought I thought we played so well, and I think Myron's been so good. I think both Admiola brothers have been wonderful this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Ramon Henderson's great. Like, what a great time to peak! And like I said, it's we're not dominant or elite because we're beating georgia tech it's because we're peaking at the right time like everything is finally aligned for this notre dame team from quarterback to receivers are getting better to the offensive line to the entirety of the defense i mean we've given up 12 points i think it is in three games zero touchdowns that's some 2012 stuff that was that was bob diaco's manti teo defense right We're, we're getting a lot from Marcus Freeman. We're getting a lot from the boys. Um, I like, what can you say after that? That's just, that's a colossal victory.
1: Yeah, this is, this is what I've been wanting and what I've been something for, you know, on, on Twitter a lot. And, um, some people agree a lot. Some people sometimes disagree. I I know that we can kind of go back and forth on that, but it's like, I've been, I've always known that we were at least two to three touchdowns better than every single team that we've played so far. Um, at, 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 well, maybe not Wisconsin, um, if, just speaking purely offensively or, uh, or Cincinnati, those are obviously tighter games, but everybody else like that, we had this in us all along. So if we're at all to finally click, uh, right as everyone else is seemingly shitting their pants. Um, I, I don't think there's a conference other than the sec that is intent on making the playoffs. I I think they all have almost no interest. It's, it's actually quite stunning to me. So yeah, the the fact that everyone else is on a week to week basis falling off, having piss poor showings, showing a ton of inconsistency. We got all of that out of the way at the beginning of the year. and, And now you know, right in the in, in in the heart of where it all matters is is when we're getting it done. So the execution, the maturity, you know, having the guys buy in and all year long, even despite the the early troubles, uh, that's that's a coaching staff that knows how to get the most out of their team. So that should be commended.
0: Yeah, Pete, do you have any special insight from views within the stadium?
2: Yeah, if you if you looked at just how they blocked and the schemes that they were running. They outsteamed Georgia Tech the entire day. On the defensive side, what I could see, and I didn't have Drew Brees in my ear confirming this, they were trying to press Austin the majority of the day, and they were playing almost like a, a man coverage on him, uh, and then playing away away from him more of a zone zone type of read. Uh, and on his first catch, how they steamed that. Uh, they just fucked Georgia's defense. And after that, they were content on playing press man there. And that opened up the field for everyone else. You saw some that uh, that screen pass that they ran with the orbit motion and then going the opposite side of that. They were just giving them fits. And Tommy Reese called it a great game. Uh, and it, the goal of the game was to get all the seniors in. The goal of every senior day is to get all the seniors in. Uh, so you really saw that. And you saw how much fun they were having on the sideline as well.
0: So something I wanted to get to um, was the improvement of Jack Cohn throughout the year. So during the game um, against Georgia Tech, he had an 88.5 uh, total QBR, um, scaled to 100, which I believe is one of his best of the season. Um, and if you're, you're wondering where he is season long, he was, he's gone from basically near 100th all the way up now, uh, to 41. He's 68.4 total QBR on the year, which is 41st in the country. Um, and his passing EPA, so just taking away the sacks and just looking at at, at somebody's passing ability, um, you've also seen kind of big improvements from him. Uh, and he's always been better there. He, he's actually 28th in the country. So Jack Cohn getting time to throw the ball and having breakout receivers in Styles and Colsey Um, has really led to a different offense. It it, it is an offense that I think could give a lot of people trouble. I think Notre Dame, you know, looking at potential matchups, you look at Ohio State, nobody's going to stop Ohio State's defense, or offense, sorry. Um, I don't think, I I actually think they're a nightmare matchup for Georgia, um, because I think if Georgia can't stop Ohio State, that game's over. So Notre Dame's got a good enough offense to to put points on Ohio State, because Ohio State's got a really bad defense. Then you look at Georgia. Georgia's got a great defense, but Notre Dame's offense is good enough to play a competitive game there where our defense could shut down Georgia. You're looking at Alabama. They aren't what they were last year. Um, you, you, you look at other teams in this conversation. Cincinnati, we know we can beat. Notre Dame might be the most balanced team right now, um, and and that's pretty scary for, for other teams because it means we can... We can play different types of games where I don't. I don't think, um, oh, everyone's gonna play Ohio State with equal success or Georgia with equal success. I think you know, you know that saying styles make fights. I think Notre Dame is in a good spot now, both offensively and defensively, where they can play those two games. They can play a, a low-scoring game against Georgia and keep it tight, and they can play a high-scoring game against Ohio State and keep it tight. I'm excited. I think we are we are peaking at the right time. And you look at the way the chips have fallen in college football, Oregon getting blasted by Utah, Um, Oklahoma losing a couple weeks ago to Baylor. We are now at the point where as long as Georgia beats Alabama, as the current rankings stand, Notre Dame is the fourth team in. Because Ohio State Michigan, one of them will take care of each other. They get a spot. Georgia gets a spot. Cincinnati gets a spot. And Notre Dame, as things stand, is the last. My concern is, and I brought this up on last week's podcast, is even though both Big 12 teams with one loss are behind us, I am concerned that a one loss Big 12 winner, even though right now they look like they're behind Notre Dame, will eventually jump over Notre Dame. And if you recall, I believe it was the 2015 season where Oklahoma was behind Notre Dame until the week before the last week, they passed Notre Dame. And of course, we end up losing to Stanford, so it doesn't matter. The point was moot. But there was a big debate. Oklahoma or Notre Dame, one lost team, which one gets in. We're kind of headed for that direction now. So the only thing I'm concerned about in terms of getting in is what happens in the Big 12. Um, and uh, Steve, you're, you, you follow it closely as well. What, what are you seeing and are you concerned that Notre Dame might miss the playoffs this
1: year? I think, uh, first off, Oklahoma State is going to beat Oklahoma. That's without a doubt in my mind. Now the question is, you know, with Oklahoma State presumably going to come in ranked this week, nine, eight, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, will will that jump them up? I guess that 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 possibility does exist. I just, you know, I, don't know. I mean, because because who did Oklahoma State lose to again? Was it Baylor or was it I forget?
2: Oklahoma State. They mm-hmm.
1: lost, or did they lose to two. Iowa State? I feel like it was Iowa State.
2: Hold
1: on, I got it. All right, so it's not like you have a quality loss in there, and then if if your quality <laughs> wins... Iowa State, yeah. So so if you're if that you don't have a quality loss there, at least Notre Dame's loss is the number two team in the country. Now, in terms of quality wins, what do you what? Right, it would be Oklahoma, Missouri State. Yeah, it would be Oklahoma potentially twice, right? Cause they're playing this weekend and then they would replay in the, in the conference title game. So pretty sure that would be the case. Uh, or, or Baylor might sneak in there, but yeah. either, either way, you know, Baylor has a, a not fantastic loss. Well, either. Baylor has two losses. Yeah. They have two losses there. Yep. Right. So it's like, so even if they're coming out on top, it's like their, their quality of wins Decent B plus, yeah. maybe even an A minus. Notre Dame quality wins. I you could even say B plus A A minus for wins for Notre Dame, but the it would be the losses where it's like, you know, one of these things is not like the other. Cincinnati, which is a Big Twelve team in the future, right? They they are obviously a, of enough quality to be joining the conference. I mean, there's some mitigating factors with other teams leaving, but it is what it is. You're you're effectively calling, you know. Cincinnati one of the next major programs they are ranked number two they did win on the road like you you have to value the Cincinnati loss above the Iowa State loss and then the wins cancel out in my opinion so yeah they have their extra data point but as we've talked about a billion times I don't care about your 40 point drubbing against a division two school of the blind I don't care
0: okay I I I do want to say some stuff to that one you're right Cincinnati would be the best team in the Big 12 two years in a row now. 100% there. Another thing is there's two concerns Notre Dame fans should be thinking of or two, two factors that are not officially what the committee looks at that the committee may look at, if you know what I mean. So one is... You don't want to see a team that's already been blown out back in the playoffs, right? That is an anxiety a lot of Notre Dame fans have. Is that because we've blown out twice? The committee's looking for a reason not to put us in. Here's a good answer to that, because if that's true, it's also true for Oklahoma. So nobody's going to jump larger in there. loss of, uh, than us. And they've been they've lost more games there too. So Notre Dame's not going to be excluded on that ground. The reason I think we should be cheering for Oklahoma State to beat Oklahoma is there may or may not be money involvement or money considerations when selecting these four teams. And if it's down to Notre Dame and Oklahoma, although Notre Dame is the biggest draw in the sport, Oklahoma is a big enough draw to not worry about the money. You know what I mean? If if the committee was, you know, I'm not saying they are, but if they are thinking about money, and if yeah, feel it's, like prefer- it's all things
1: somewhat equal.
0: Yeah, it's almost equal, and if they feel like Oklahoma's better, they'll, they can swallow that pill easier because they're like, Oklahoma will still bring people to the games and to the TVs. Oklahoma State, on the other hand, absolutely not. So if we ever want a bias to go in our favor, so let's say it's true that money considerations play a factor— we want Oklahoma state to be our competition. You, you don't want Oklahoma because then it's a little too equal. Oklahoma state benefits Notre Dame in that sense. And then, like I said, on the back end of that, um, the blowout losses isn't a concern because Oklahoma's got that too. So there's that to consider. And I think the, the Cowboys are the team to cheer for there, but you got to get, you got to get them all to lose. And I, I, I don't think it's official. That Bedlam would be repeated for the title game. I believe if Oklahoma loses, Baylor is in. That's correct. That's another reason to cheer for Oklahoma State. Because if Oklahoma wins, I think it's a repeat of that game. Because Oklahoma State, I think, beat Baylor. So what you want is Oklahoma State to beat Oklahoma. That knocks Oklahoma out of it. That brings Baylor into the title game, and then you want Baylor to beat Oklahoma State, and then you have three, two lost champs. But remember, then six?
2: Baylor also has to win.
0: Baylor has to win, and they're playing who? Uh, one moment. At TCU, I'm guessing. Texas Tech. Texas Tech. Okay. Uh, they'll beat be Texas Tech. They should absolutely
1: be. So- Texas Tech. Unless there's like an 82 yard field goal to close the game. It's a shout out to the kicker, but anyway, continue.
2: Just, like, the one thing that's bothering me right now, and we don't have to talk about it. We'll get back to the game in a moment because there are some stuff I want to talk about there. But everyone right now is ranking Michigan ahead of Notre Dame and also Ohio State. Not the AP. Not the AP, but, like, just from the CFP talk. With Ohio State's loss to Oregon and Oregon getting – I'm not going to use the word I want to use, but pummeled by Utah. The, the thing that I can't wrap my head around is that Ohio State's loss now is worse than Notre Dame's loss. They're both 10-1. and 1. So in theory, why are people gassing up Ohio State for beating the same type of teams Notre Dame is? Because they have a more high-powered offense? Notre Dame hasn't let up an offensive touchdown in the month of November. There's yeah, been 33 drives since they've let up a touchdown.
0: It's the eye test, and it's unfair. Cool. It's the it's the reason Alabama's number two. Give me a coherent reason why Alabama should be ranked ahead of Cincinnati or Ohio State.
1: There isn't, there isn't
0: one. one Notre Dame. There isn't one. It's because they're Alabama, and they the beat eye
1: test two ranked teams this year. I'm sorry, three. They beat Miami. Ooh. Was ranked 14 at the time. I'm pretty sure they're s- going to be six and six. They beat number 11 Florida by two at the time. I, uh, we know what's going on in Florida. They pretty did. They did blow out Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is is pretty damn good. They're a top 15 team, and then they beat absolutely in shambles LSU by six points. Yeah. And then the, and they, yeah, and I get, they just took of Arkansas up. by a touchdown of seven points. But it's like it. They've just you know. Th- they're still Alabama. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like they're playing their best football we've ever seen them play. they there, there's, you know, and Since, Cincinnati this- right now has the best win in college football.
0: It's Notre Dame yeah. on the road. They are the number two team, number two team at the least. They are undefeated. They have the best win. I don't care what you say. Wins matter. The games matter. Cincinnati could play. I'm confident playing Alabama's schedule and they'd be exactly where they are right now, maybe with one loss to, to like an A&M. That's how good Cincinnati is. And because they're not getting respect, Notre Dame's not getting respect, and Notre Dame's early season narrative of this team is just, you know, they beat Florida State in overtime. That is hung over our heads too long where it hasn't with Ohio State. And that's why we're ranked where we are and Ohio State is ranked where they are. But it's not going to matter, thankfully, because in two weeks we'll we'll have this all sorted.
2: But it's all bullshit as well because all these people online, I probably should just delete Twitter. Uh, Well, Alabama's uh, ranked against perfection. They're they're judged against perfection and everyone else is judged off of Alabama. They have a shit quarterback. They have a team that fucking sucks. Like, I don't really give a fuck if they're third in the country or whatever they are right now. They're going to get mollywhopped
0: by Georgia. Well... I, I want to add something there to be, and I'll, I'll go right back to you, P. Are we even sure they're going to beat Auburn? They're playing, yeah. they're playing in Auburn. This is an auto Tuscaloosa game and Auburn. And, and for whatever reason, Alabama is a 19 and a half point favorite. Alabama is a bigger favorite against Auburn. than Notre Dame is Stanford. That's ridiculous. Like that what is, is, what is Vegas smoking? Like Auburn is the best like four loss team in the country. Cause they keep playing wow. really, really good teams. They might beat Alabama outright, and we're talking about a bigger spread than Notre Dame Stanford. Are what is happening? Are like uh, we haven't picked game? I don't think we plan on picking games, but like, how do you guys feel about that one? Because I, what I'm concerned about is what if Alabama loses to Auburn and then beats Georgia? Because then you got a that's chaos. That's chaos. Because then you got eleven and two SEC champ who by right shouldn't be in the playoff, but they just beat Georgia, and you're going to put Georgia in, but not Bama. That's what I'm scared about. I almost prefer Bama to beat Auburn because it guarantees a loss, puts them out. But anyway, sorry, sorry for ranting. Um, well, sixty-two your- percent of the
2: public, yeah, sixty-two percent of the public money is on Bama right now, and that's all I can go on because I'm not trying to pay for gambling apps. Uh, Nineteen and a half is outrageous. Auburn is a good team, but they've lost their last four by four by nine by seventeen to Tamu. And they beat Ole Miss by 11. And they barely beat Arkansas. So Arkansas is a good team. Uh, so they, they're a good five-loss team. Playing in Jordan-Hare is going to be weird. I don't think Alabama loses. It would behoove us for them not to lose. But then I don't think they have a good quarterback. That, that Really, the crux of my argument is they don't have a quarterback like Tua or,
0: like, Matt Jones, or... They don't have a Devonta Smith on their
2: team. Like, that that's really where my argument comes from.
0: You mean to tell me Steve Sarkeesian wasn't the key all along? <laughs> never has been. <laughs> we know that he's not... Never mind. Never mind. Yeah, His, I, was about, I was about to make the same joke.
1: Here, <laughs> Here's a, also a fun thought exercise. If by some miracle, an actual literal miracle... Um, Harbor is able to finally beat Ohio State. What happens if Wisconsin beats Michigan in the championship game? That makes Notre Dame a three seed with a rematch against Cincinnati, does it not?
0: Well, that's what we
1: should be rooting for the most.
0: I feel like if there's a one-loss Big 12 champ, they will jump us because they don't want the rematch with Cincinnati. That's what I feel. But let's say... Things go our way there, too. Let's say OK State beats Oklahoma. Baylor beats Oklahoma State. Michigan beats Ohio State. Michigan loses to Wisconsin, all of which is plausible, by the way. I wouldn't say like
1: all that's very possible, especially this year. Then well, then who's your four?
0: Like, never mind where we're seated. Who's the fourth
1: team? Well, number four might potentially be Alabama for round three.
0: But exactly. Do you want to put Alabama and Georgia after just seeing an SEC title game between them? as the semifinal, I feel like they would drop Bama ahead of Notre Dame. I feel like we would get the brunt end of that because the committee has often handpicked matchups wonkily. Like they'll like their, the rankings from the previous week will change drastically on the final day to avoid that or to, to have a preferred outcome. And I'm really worried if that were to happen, Notre Dame would not even be the three seed. I think we'd be stuck as the four seed and you'd see a 10 and two or 11 and two Alabama, ahead of us
1: that is a good point i mean at, um, at a certain point i guess i'm naive enough to to hope that they would want to hold on to their credibility but i mean they've done nothing up to this point to establish their credibility so it's a double-edged sword there <laughs> I,
0: I got something for you because you brought up the big game nobody cares about um it's not that nobody cares about it it's just it's a very regional game right like it's never had an implication outside has, of the Midwest. A
2: rivalry has to occur with both teams winning. Michigan hasn't won since 2011. It's over ten years.
0: The and, freshmen and, on the
2: team were eight years old the last time Michigan won. Like it's not. A, I'm. I'll. I'll throw this bulletin board material out there. It's not a rivalry game anymore. I'll, both yeah. teams have to win for it to be a rivalry game.
0: Now Michigan still leads the series. Series. The. The. Sorry. The. The. The series between them. But that's because they built up like a 60-game lead in the mid 2000 Sorry, 20th century. So you're getting like 1940, and Michigan's been blowing that lead slowly ever since. Um, and that is dwindling down. I think they're within single digits. But here's what I want to say: I hate Michigan, as you guys know. I would probably never cheer for Michigan in any other circumstance unless it helped Notre Dame. Like if we absolutely needed them to win. With that said. And I I have this tweet saved, and I'm going to tweet it tomorrow or or Wednesday for the the larger audience. But I tell you, running into Michigan in the playoff would be a lot nicer than running into Ohio State. And I know the focus will always be we don't want Michigan to win. And by definition, having them in the playoff is more of a threat to that than them not being in the playoff. That said... Michigan isn't winning the national championship there, sure. They're just—they're not. They'll either lose their semifinal or they'll lose the final. And if you're confident in that, would you run the risk if you had the choice, if you—if you were playing God, to have Michigan beat Ohio State so maybe theoretically Notre Dame runs into Michigan instead of Ohio State?
1: What, what do I you mean, think of that? I wanted Michigan when it was presumable when we were looked like we were going to be on the outside looking in if it were going to be a uh, a New Year's Six bowl. I I was down for that. Um, So the fact that you know we're now upping the ante, it's a very winnable game in my opinion for us to play a massive, massive bitter rival in the playoff in a game in a game where we legitimately we we could be favored in that game, or you know maybe just because Vegas is going to disrespect us and everyone's going to disrespect us, maybe we're like six point underdogs, nine point underdogs, whatever that may be. But like that's a game that that it becomes very winnable for ND if we play at a level like we have been this past month, which is just lights out. So I, I welcome it with open arms. I think that's extremely exciting. So, and I don't make, I obviously I despise Michigan. I have a special hate in my heart for Ohio state. Yeah. They're, they're awful. So, so like I, it's, I, I hate this entire weekend, you know, with these two teams playing because they're just abysmal. So, um, now, if it if it works out that way, I'm cool with it. Does that mean you're cheering for Michigan this week? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and again, just because like, especially, it, it practically guarantees Notre Dame a spot, right? Well, we
0: still have that Big Twelve to deal with. like the winner of Michigan, Ohio State, to me doesn't matter. It's more. I think Ohio State's a bigger threat. Like, I'll probably still cheer for Ohio State. I just can't with Michigan. But, like, I'm at least intrigued to say, you know what? Ohio State right now looks like the best team in football lately, just lately. Yeah. I just get rid of them. Like, if Michigan get the job done and we don't have to worry about Ohio State anymore, that's one less playoff team we have to go through that I am actually worried about. I'm not worried about playing Michigan. I think it's a tight game. It's not, I'm not, we're not huge underdogs in that one. Pete, I know you hate them as much as I do. What, what's, your, what's your thought on that? <sighs> well, Dylan,
2: let me tell you something. Ohio State is a garbage can of a program. Notre Dame, beats, Notre Dame beats Ryan Day in Ohio State eight times out of ten. I'm only giving them two, so I don't have ten people wow. yelling at me. That's spicy. Notre The Notre Dame football team that is playing football right now, not that fucking September bullshit, the November Notre Dame fighting Irish, beats the breaks off the entire Big Ten. Kyle Hamilton, no Kyle Hamilton. They have the bell cows to do what they have to do. I think they beat Ryan Day. They beat Jim Harbaugh. I don't care who comes from the Big Ten. It's a illegitimate conference. I, give me either. Give me either, give me both, give me Georgia. I be, firmly believe that with everyone clicking the way they are, with Marcus Freeman getting his guys up the way they are, it, every game is a winnable game from here on out. The defense is playing this bend-but-don't-break 2012 style of defense. It's playing just like when we had Monte Teo there. It's playing those two quarterback systems just like we did with Everett and Tommy. Everything that's happening this year, aside from that one loss to a team that I still haven't watched a loss on, is leading up to what 2012 was. Major losses happening everywhere else. Notre Dame just kept building up and winning and winning
0: and winning. So you're taking – you're cheering for Ohio State, I'm guessing, because you think we beat them anyway.
2: Oh, I, I don't care who wins that game. I hope they tie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I hope it's a two point conversion that never ends.
2: I uh, I won't watch that game. <laughs> uh,
1: well, interestingly enough, when it comes to this as well, you got to think of kind of the future implications. Do you want C.J. Stroud and this offense and and this team in general? to be able to play in, in big games and gain experience and composure when we are heading into, you know, the the nest next year, like as we head into the, into the horseshoe. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think just from that perspective, I would rather knock Ohio state out, right. From a recruiting perspective, you know, there's, a pretty major name that's making a decision in the relative near future. Hopefully, you know, it, it could be like, Hey, you know, we're on the Ascension and, they, and they're a, a program that the rest of their conferences is, is kind of catching up to. You're going to have a better chance with us, <clears throat> Xavier. <clears throat> so yeah, I I, 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 feel like when it comes to recruiting at this point and when it comes to trying to establish dominance and jockey for position, it almost feels like Ohio state is more of a rival than Michigan these days. Yeah. Right. Yep. So it's like at this point I would rather start to, to bury in and, and dig into Ohio state because I just see Michigan as a total poverty school and program going forward. I, I know they're going to blow it eventually basically is what I'm saying. And I know we can beat them this year.
0: I think um, those are great points. I know P wagon doesn't believe in recruiting, so you probably didn't convince them, but you bring up some interesting stuff. And here's here, here's just another reason maybe to cheer for Ohio, for, Mich- for Michigan this week or to, you know, plug your nose and hope Ohio State loses to frame it another yeah, way. Yeah,
1: that, that's the more accurate, yep.
0: Um, we Notre Dame fans, of course, having not much but history in the last 20 years to cling on to. And a history we deserve and a history we're very proud of. We defend that. And our history is a little threatened by Ohio State right now. Because C.J. Stroud, or Cloud, or whatever his name is, huh. is maybe the Heisman favorite. And as you guys know at home, we've been listening sharply. Ohio State Notre Dame are tied for Heisman uh, for Heisman's total seven. Ohio State has had six winners uh, and the only winner to win twice. 7-7 seven, seven right now with Oklahoma. That's something Notre Dame was the first to. And Notre Dame has been clinging on to that lead forever. And now it's tied. You know, if CJ wins the Heisman, Ohio State goes number one, uh, and that's that kind of threatens who we are because we are number one in almost every historical category. So, you know, for the maybe the old-timers out there or for the history of romantics like myself, that's maybe a reason to cheer for Michigan because Michigan beats Ohio State. CJ isn't winning the Heisman.
1: Yeah, I mean, the more all Americans that we can have in favor of them, the more Heismans, the more first round draft picks, the whole nine just, you know, assert dominance and, and don't let off the reins. And, you know, we need to get back into the national conversation with a lot of awards. I mean, you, you think about Kyron getting snubbed this year. He is far and away clearly a top three running back in college football, and I don't see how anyone can see it else. Yeah, uh, you know, how it's not a. I don't get it, man. It's driving me fucking crazy. He's not in the top ten, so uh, for the Doke Walker. So, yeah, I mean that that's that's a really good point as well. Thinking about if you uh, if you knock them out, you potentially knock him out of contention because it's like who who has he really played and, and excelled against? I mean that argument obviously he's he's built a hell of a case this past week against uh, Michigan State, but you can also make the point that maybe Michigan State is. Very good, but just not great yet, right? No. Maybe they're maybe they're more akin to an eight and four, nine and three team that kind mm-hmm. of got a little bit of a flash in the plant, flash in the pan, rather than like a, a genuine contender like Michigan could potentially be. So who knows? Sparty
0: loses this week
1: at home. I wouldn't Penn State doubt it. Penn State beats them.
0: Uh, I love oh. Michigan State, relatively speaking, but I, I I knew they were a paper tiger all the way. Um, P, you wanna you wanna jump in there?
2: About Michigan State or just in general?
0: Well, it's like you were signaling to me, but I realized you're on your phone and you're just cracking your fingers.
2: (laughs) No, I I just looked up. In in terms of national relevance, uh, we also aren't relevant in the Ray Guy Award this year. Uh, Top punter. Jay didn't make the top ten. So I am upset.
0: Well, Quentin Nilsson didn't win the best offensive lineman award and Julian Love those. And Julian Love didn't win the uh, best DB the award despite despite being voted number 1 by the fans. That was half the vote was was well half of the award was determined by fans and the other half was determined by media. Julian Love won the fan vote section and still lost the award. So look, the, they don't like us. That it is what it is. P, did you? Uh, sorry, you said something about going back to the game. Is there more, something else you want to touch on before we like move into to some mailbag questions and uh, and and looking forward towards next week?
2: Yeah, multiple things. Aldrich Estime is going to be a dude, the, the biggest dude we've ever had. Uh, he's two hundred and forty pounds.
1: He's trying to hurdle people. He's fast. He's physical. He was a lot faster than I would have expected, man.
0: He averaged over ten yards a carry with the second string offensive line. Just think about that.
1: You have him
2: and you have did next year. It's going to be very akin to And Tyree. And Chris Tyree. I'll even use him probably better for this example. It's gonna be akin to He Who Shall Not Be Named in Lundell White.
1: <laughs>
2: and then you throw you throw Buckner in there. Tommy is going to take the playbook from Auburn when they had Cam Newton and he's going to firmly place it in Tyler's lap and say, we're running the spread option offense for the rest of time. And everyone's, Oh, it doesn't work as a gimmick offense. How many fucking tight ends do we have?
0: And Michael Mayer's coming back.
2: Yeah. So you put,
0: I
1: don't think he's coming back. He no, he he choose. has to. Oh wait, no, oh, yeah, he's a true sophomore. Oh yeah, yep, yeah. So you know, and you know, you're getting the best performance from him because he wants to improve his draft stock.
2: So you put him at tight end. You put another. T- you put another tight end as an f back, or you know, let's get nuts. Put Aldrick Estimate there. Put Chris Tyree at slot, and then you put Loden Dids on the field as well. Pick your poison. Pick. Take your pick. Tyler, I... he can throw to Michael. He can. There's just so much to do. If I'm Tommy Rees, I'm sitting there. If coaches are, if schools are coming to say, "Hey, take a head coaching job," I'm saying, "Fuck no!" I'm sitting here for another four years because of this offense I get to run.
0: And look, the off—I don't advocate for running that offense, but I—I I agree with you that the weapons are there to run a a playmaker offense, right? You've got you can three throw running the backs ball
2: out of that offense. You know that,
0: right? You can th- and well, of course, but I think Tyler Buckner with improved accuracy. So basically a normal off season development. Well, big asterisk there because Notre Dame quarterbacks don't seem to develop, but um right. assuming, assuming Buckner progresses with an offensive line that has, this has been a season for the offensive line As awful as it was. Those boys have learned. And I guarantee you that development of surviving this season and growing this season is going to, Hit exponentially. Oh, they're the going to
1: be so good.
0: We're going to come back with maybe the best offensive line in the country because you're going to have Fisher, Spindler, Alt, possibly Lug, Corral, maybe Christofik comes back. Um, and then you got all of that talent from the previous classes in there. That offense, which we see still a little bit as the maybe the B side to the defense, honey, that's going to be the best offense of the It's going to be
1: like Tim Tebow at Florida, dude. After you know, seeing that 60 yard run with Bachner man, like that kid can absolutely scoot. like this is gonna be dangerous.
0: Just just give him give him a Kyler Murray arm like you know with passing. just have him have him be that kind of guy and the runner and we're talking Heisman, we're talking national championship aspirations. like look what and- Joe Burrow did for LSU. That was one guy.
2: We're also forgetting that we're getting the. I'm again. I'm learning to like recruiting. Ever since I broke that punting news, um, <laughs> we're we're getting the the cat from Jersey, um, McPherson,
1: Steven. Van Steven Steve, Angelli.
2: Steve Angelli from Don Bosco. He's a he's another one. He's a Brady Quinn like player. Yeah,
1: he's I, I really don't think people are really appreciating him in the enough. Yeah, no, yeah and and Kelly is actually going to be a very high quality quarterback, probably top ten to fifteen that's ever signed with Notre Dame, and that's saying something. He's, you guys are pretty high on him. He's going to be
2: phenomenal. And I'm a very northeast bias, but Dom Basso is one of the best teams in the country, and he's the best quarterback on the best team in the country.
1: But, yeah.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up the recruiting class because Steve, he must be smiling ear to ear lately. Woo. <laughs> love it p yeah. i swear that's the only recruiting talk we'll 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 get back to something relevant um so you mentioned no, estimate we, we flipped the we flipped the punter yeah number one ranked per for failure um okay so do you get you got you got more for us or are we gonna move into uh mail time
2: uh just real quick friend of the program harrison leonard got to kick his field roll uh, extra point I said this week I was going to start a chant for him to kick a 62-yard field goal to end the game. Uh, he didn't have to do that. It was a little bit closer. Uh, I went nuts in my, my section when he got to kick, uh, and I immediately DM'd him congratulating him. Uh, so, Harrison, welcome on the podcast anytime. Uh, we are a friend of Wopu Nation, and uh, I'm just glad he got on the field for that uh, a big moment. First point he ever scored at ND.
0: Yeah, I'm happy for them. I mean, uh, we're big fans of uh of everybody on this team including the the second stringers on special teams, you know. They're they're sure. just as important. Sure. Um <laughs> Okay, let's get into it. We want to wrap up soon too for you guys so you don't have to listen to us speak anymore. Um I'm just kidding. Thank you for listening as always. Um Club Sports Notre Dame tweets at us. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, I have a couple of questions. One, what are your most what are you most thankful for in this current iteration of Notre Dame? I'm gonna assume that means the football team and not the university as a whole. And two, which player or players best represent typical Thanksgiving dishes? So I think that piggies off of our crazy holidays debate we had a couple of weeks ago. Um uh, Steve, you're a quick thinker. I'm going to let P-Wagon think about this. What are your answers to that question?
1: To the Thanksgiving?
0: Yeah, question one and two. All right, what well, do you I'll, 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 I'll start then?
1: easily, easily, easily. Jacob Lazy is the turkey. That, that okay. man is an absolute bowling ball. <laughs> he is uh, He he's a plump fellow. He really plugs the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, he's, uh, he, he's got some meat on those bones. So he's, he's, he's golden brown right in the middle of the table. That's our turkey. So I'll, I'll so if anyone, do you, do I want, you want me to go through like the entire list of, uh, no, no, I, how about we all just give one. I <laughs> just want to take a food. Let, let's just do who, one each.
2: Say, who is that Steve? You broke up a little bit on my end.
1: Yeah. Jacob Lacey is our Turkey.
0: I'm okay, cool with okay. that. Um, but do you want to answer the first question as well, which is what are you most thankful for in this current iteration of the team? What I'm
1: most thankful for, man, is consistency. Look at USC. Look at LSU. Look at Texas. Look at the University of Florida. Look at Auburn, who's won a national championship. Look at Florida State, who's won a national championship. Look at Virginia Tech, which used to be a perennial contender in the ACC. Look at Clemson. Look at, like, all of these teams. Look at Stanford, who who went in the Andrew Luck years, was like, perennial contenders uh you know out out in the west so it's just like i'm just so grateful and thankful that we have now had five consecutive seasons of 10 win football there hasn't been a lull this was our quote unquote rebuild and reload year or you know however we want to classify that and we are still looking at 11 and one and a playoff appearance this is fantastic and every single year it seems like our recruiting is getting better or just like being in the mix in the top 20 well enough to continue to build depth to build pieces and to get the guys that we need so from, uh, you know, you, you look at Dan Mullen saying, Oh, I don't need to recruit in the middle of the season in Florida. I'll just worry about that in the off season. And then now they're five and seven or whatever the hell they're going to finish. And they're just, uh, he's fired who knows. And now you, you're looking at a six year rebuild for them. And they're already in the process of being in a six year rebuild from one Tin team left. Basically it's like, yeah you know, it, it's the fact that, that Brian Kelly, you know, you shout the man's name from the mountaintops and build him a damn statue. What a what a coach. What a coach. You know, he hasn't won the big one for us, but people forget this guy is a two-time national championship winner at at, you know, a, a lower level of football. This guy has won the big games before. He brought Cincinnati to any sort of relevance with Zach Pike and that offense and Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey, right? Like, this guy is a fantastic coach, and people need to recognize that and be more appreciative.
0: Wow. Well, I don't think any of us have taken a position on the statue. So Steve outs himself as pro-Kelly statue. Uh, <laughs> Pete, do you want to answer those two questions from Clutch Sports?
2: Yeah. Uh, really, just the ability to get players who are Notre Dame men and who aren't strumbads, like in years past, uh, that's a real big thing. That, I know that's kind of a weird answer, but we haven't had too many police reports of Carlo Calabrese saying my people will get you and other players running from the cops or, you know, killing their girlfriend's dogs like they had in years
1: past. So Or being just- a star wide receiver that gets a DUI every 14 minutes. <laughs> 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 to be fair, to be fair, Michael Floyd may have been the most talented
0: receiver to ever play at Notre Dame, but yeah, point stands. <laughs>
2: or just having an asshole quarterback who's no longer welcome at applebee's in south bend indiana uh i won't mention which quarterback it is but you can guess seven um so (laughs) just really that notre dame men are at the school and it it sounds i sound like i'm stumping for something right now but really it's just having good players and we don't have to embroil any controversy. Uh, I'm most thankful for our special teams development. Brian Polian is a godsend. Uh, and which players best represent typical Thanksgiving dishes? Don't
0: don't take potatoes. I got an answer for potatoes. Wasn't going to do that anyway.
2: Um, I think just underrated. This is going to sound really weird, but like the canned cranberry sauce that comes out that stays in the shape, not very mobile, but it's a very underrated food group and is a staple of all the other leftovers coming together. Jack cones the cranberry sauce.
1: Okay.
0: I like that. I like that. Um, So my answer is, one, in terms of this team this year, I'll just say an offensive line that isn't, utter dog shit, which that was for the first, you know, six games of the year. Um, So big, big thanks there. Um, Generally speaking. Yeah. I I think it is getting Notre Dame back to relevancy. Um, And we've always been relevant in terms of like viewers and and people tuning in and people buying tickets, but national championship relevancy, we've been a playoff team two of the last three years and possibly three in the next four. Um, And then when the, with the playoff, potentially expanding to 12th next year. I don't know if you saw that report. It's either going to be in 2025 or next year if they can come to an expedited agreement. Oh, my. We'll maybe never miss the playoffs again. So big thanks to the program and Kelly and and Schwarbrick and the investment that the university has put into it finally um, to get Notre Dame into that top five conversation. As for players, I'm a potatoes guy, and we've said on this show, and Steve, I'll ask you the question. Every time it comes up, and even your goldfish memory should know this, I always say, this is a blue-collar guy. He was from somewhere at some steel factory with his with his uh, steel lunch can, and he just plays Notre Dame football. Kurt Heinisch. Kurt Heinisch, baby. That is my potatoes. Kurt Heinisch is the most potatoes athlete of all time. Not because of any physique or anything he is a dude he is an athlete it's his it's his mentality it's work ethic potatoes are a blue collar food kurt heinish is a blue collar guy that's my answer i love it
1: i love it uh let's go one more go round. everyone just pick one more player for food we'll do one more food item each uh just for fun just for the lulls to uh because this is a this is a short week and we're going to have a little bit extra time for everyone to listen to their podcast, maybe while you're cooking on Thursday, maybe Wednesday night before you go out to the bars and get drunk with your friend. You just want to have the talking points and, and know what you want to talk about at the bar. So let's uh, let's give one more hypothetical here or, or one more uh, food answer. And I'm going with apple pie, the sweetness, the thing that ties it all together, the flash, the sauciness Oh, I just I'm a big apple pie guy and the guy who brings it on this team is Kyron Williams. When you're talking to by who he's just sweet on the tongue, that guy, he is just unbelievable. What do you guys think?
2: Uh, no, that's a that's a good one there. Uh
0: if I were to ask you guys what's the best part of a Thanksgiving meal, what is the answer? Like is there a common number
1: one or does that depend on the person? Uh, on the person. Yeah, me, I'm a freak. I, I love turkey. I don't, you know, it's just kind of my thing. Like, th- well, Thanksgiving turkey specifically is like my jam. So that's where I always kind of land. That's why I, I started with that. But a lot of people do love uh, potatoes is, is you know, typically the most common answer. What about stuffing? Stu- is oh, stuff? Stuffing is very, very common. Yeah. Okay. So
0: I'm just going to assume stuffing is the the cream of the crop. It's a little bit unique. It's rare. You don't eat it any other time of the year, whereas you would with turkey or potatoes. It's so it's unique. It's delicious. It's a bit of a unicorn, but ladies and gentlemen. I'm describing Kyle Hamilton.
1: Ooh, I like it. I like it. Most popular by far. Yep, for sure.
2: All right. And to uh, to wrap this one up, I'm going with more of a southern dish here
0: do it with the accent um, no i'm not sure. i want you to <laughs> i want you to offend all of our fans south of indiana
2: <laughs> i've already offended the sec ones and you're one so it's up to that <laughs> but uh you took the stuffing uh really in the south they do they it with cornbread and it's just a staple of the south that you can't go wrong with it if you're having leftovers a little bit later on in the day or even the following day and you need something for the gravy in an emergency situation if you're backed up on the plate and you need some more room, it's Jay Bramblet. He's the cornbread.
1: Oh, uh, I love it. Should have known Ooh. that was gonna tie in. I <laughs> I had no idea what this that was coming, but I should have known. This is a pro bro, a Jay Bramblet podcast, pro special teams podcast. Um and-
2: before we go on any further, I'd be remiss to talk about the news I've heard today. Uh, there are rumors that he will be exploring the grad transfer year closer to home. Uh, those are what sources named Pete Sampson are saying. Uh, I don't have any confirmation bias on that, but uh, if Jay does leave, he gave us a great four years. I love you, and I'll follow
0: you into the dark. Just just, just don't go to Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, all right, one of our close friends— And loyal fans of the show, Benny, um, great Notre Dame guy, asks, "Who would be an ideal opponent in the playoffs?" Steve. Yeah, (laughs) I'll I'll go with Steve first because he thinks quick, and uh, P Wagon is thoughtful and just when he when he gets a time to think about it and make it funny.
1: So easy answer, Cincinnati. That's Good why kidding. I want my chaos scenario, dude. That's I want my chaos scenario, I, and I want us to uh, to be the number three seed. I want another shot at Cincinnati. I, I we, it, it is absolutely beatable. We can beat them. I think we're going to travel well to a bowl game. I think we could probably get a nice 60-40 split um, and, and have a little bit of an advantage there with crowd noise. And I just think that... Uh, we are playing too good on the offensive side of the football, you know, the offensive line. Uh, now, we, are they going to look as good against Cincy as they have the last three weeks? No. But are they going to look like they did the first time? Absolutely not. They'll they'll be much better. And that means Cone will be better. And that means Kyren will be better. And that means we're going to score three, four touchdowns. And if if we score three to four touchdowns against Cincinnati, there is no chance we lose. Not a chance. It's not going to happen. Since he is the team, that's the answer. P?
2: Since he's a good one. For a run-through to exercise all the demons Michigan, just to get that out there, and then face Georgia, a rested team facing Georgia, who's probably beat up. Uh, in this scenario, they're probably playing Oh, God. I don't know how that scenario works out, but Georgia has to get Molly whopped in the first game, and then uh rested ND beats up on them in the national championship. So Michigan, I like the cincy answer. I want Georgia. Just yeah, that's
0: just not yeah. Those I don't. I don't know why. I I almost thought of Georgia too because Georgia's starting to look a little more human, and we're owed a victory. Like though, we played two legendary home and homes with them. We were should have split like. Over the course of the two games, it was a 50-50 game both times. We were unlucky to have lost both. We we owe Georgia a loss. Um, I wish this question was asked weeks ago when there was more viable options because as it stands, you're limited to Georgia, Alabama, Cincinnati, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. So of that group – if it's not Cincy, it would be like Oklahoma State. I would take us against the Cowboys. Um, I don't think that's realistic. I think Cincinnati the most realistic team that I think we match well with and would beat. So I'm going to probably echo what Steve says. But I'll give an extra answer there. I'll also say, let's just say we don't make the playoff. And what's the ideal bowl team we run into? I kind of want to say Penn State. A little bit of a rivalry. Historic quasi blue blood program um team team would be favored to beat um and that kind of exercises those new year's six demons as well so i think i'd go nittany lions plus they're easy to hate and that that always makes cheering for them or cheering against them uh all the easier
2: agreed
1: yeah i mean that that's that is inherently true. But then I'm the only thing I worry about is like, are they even good enough for us to I mean, they're seven and four. If they if they do upset number seven, Michigan State on the road to finish eight and four. Maybe yeah, I they only had two, maybe their they... like top 25. Maybe.
0: No, you're right. I thought they were a three loss team. Um, I think they would be an ideal opponent anyway. Um, Of the realistic bowl opponents like Wake Forest or uh, Coastal Carolina, that would be great too.
2: I would love Wake Forest or Coastal just to put those – they're they're not even bad fan bases. I just don't like their fans. Uh, I just want to shut them up.
1: Here's an interesting one. What do you think about Texas A&M? It, is is it possible for like if they finish nine and three, would that be a potential matchup for us? Because, uh, again, from a recruiting standpoint uh, and with, uh, you know, our, our old coordinator kind of going down there and, and leaving us in the lurch. But, you know, enter Marcus Freeman. Thank you. Um, I, I kind of have a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth right now for uh, for this team. And I just want to put them in their place and let them know, hey, you might have a really big stadium down down there. But like, who the hell do you think you are? like we can absolutely step onto a field at any point in time and put you down. And I think that can, uh, again, there, there are some recruits that, you know, like Anthony Lucas, I think is considering Texas A&M. He's a huge defensive tackle target that Notre Dame's going after, and and you know, I'm. I, it, it's just like the the subconscious of recruiting is melting into my CFP brain, and that way, and and that's kind of where I'm 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 at landing at. It's like I just want to knock other teams out of contention, so that way recruits second guess. <laughs> so to answer your question, here are the New Year's Six
0: bowl games this year, and we can talk about who potential opponents are. The Peach Bowl is. They it, it the the Bleacher Report projection has it Wake Forest, Michigan. So I think that I, I are do you guys are you aware of any tie-ins to the Peach Bowl? I feel like it's just kind of two at-large teams.
2: Yeah, I want to say that sounds right. We mm-hmm.
0: we don't we didn't we didn't do research on this podcast. That's fine. Uh,
1: then there's the Fiesta Bowl, which
0: we've been linked with by every publication That's all the year.
1: E twelve and an at large.
0: Um, well, they currently have an Ole Miss versus Notre Dame. Um, okay. I think I don't know how that bowl tie in works either. Um, it, clearly there's an at large spot, but I didn't think it was an automatic SEC. Uh, and then there's the Rose Bowl, we already know we're not really eligible for that. And there's the Sugar Bowl, which mm-hmm. we're not really eligible for. So looking at this, yeah, AM could substitute for Old Miss there, and we could play AM in the Fiesta Bowl. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Um, I wanna, I wanna know the tie-ins here. Um, you guys, so while
2: yeah. while you're doing that, uh, about an hour ago, Sports Illustrated just pulled up their projections. Richard Johnson, uh, he has Ohio State, Georgia. Oh wait, not raw one. He has Georgia, Notre Dame at Hard Rock Stadium, lovely, and then Ohio State, Cincinnati. Uh, so that would be. Georgia one, Ohio State two, Cincinnati three, d four, yeah, and then it was Pitt, Ole Miss in the Peach Bowl, Baylor, Michigan Fiesta Bowl, Wisconsin, Utah Rose Bowl, and Alabama, Oklahoma Sugar Bowl.
1: That's actually a pretty damn good. That that would that would be a really awesome postseason, to be honest. All those matchups are actually really fun. So um, I wasn't listening. Uh, who
0: did Notre Dame get paired with in this one? Georgia. Uh, this is a, as us
1: projected as the four.
0: Oh, the that's four. a lot. that that's a lot better. <laughs> For a second, I was thinking I don't want to play Georgia in like the Sugar Bowl or something. <laughs> if I'm if I'm playing in a non-playoff game, I want the easiest fucking bowl game that's New Year's Six, um, as possible, basically. Um, okay, I, I'm almost got this figured out. Um, I think the Fiesta Bowl is two at-large teams. I okay. think in the playoff era, I believe it is at-large.
1: Yeah, I mean, it used um, to be the Big 12 a lot because you think about um, Oklahoma's played in that game at least three, four times.
0: Okay, I got one. The highest-ranked conference champion from the American Athletic, Conference USA, MAC, Mountain West, group of five. Sun Belt, group of, five, group of five, will automatically get one of either the Fiesta or the Peach. That makes sense because Coastal Carolina or whoever the highest is might get Notre Dame. Um, yeah, that seems to be. But wouldn't that be Cincinnati though? I don't, I, I, there might be an exemption for teams that make the playoffs. It might just go to the next highest ranked group of five champion. Yeah. Um, but what that means to me is that those two bowl games are pretty much at large because Think of it, if you got the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl in your repertoire where there's already pre-established obligations and you're doing this New Year's Six thing and you're doing the playoff ranking, you need enough flexibility to still put the best teams in those bowl games. You know what I mean? If they all had tie-ins, you wouldn't get the fourth best team playing the fifth best team or fifth best team. You need a few of those bowl games in your New Year's Six to be to be pretty flexible, and I think that's what the Peach Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl kind of are. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, a and is possible, but so is Coastal Carolina and Wake Forest. And- I was going to
1: say Wake. Wake would be, and I feel like, a pretty yeah, – maybe they would score a couple points against us, but I, don't know. I, I just don't foresee Hartman lighting up the Notre Dame defense, and I don't see that Wake Forest defense holding us back. So that, that might yeah. be uh, that might be the easiest win on, on the you know, of the possibilities. Also, if we miss the uh,
0: playoff, we could end up with like Oklahoma State or Baylor. That would be decent too. Those are
2: easy wins. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think those are, are all, yeah. It's like I've said all, you know, I think I've been saying this for about four or five weeks now. I think Notre Dame is the number four to five team in the nation. I, I don't think there's more than five teams in this country that are better than us. It's just a matter of, you know, did our screw up against Cincy knock us out of contention. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking damn good and I don't want to get too out ahead of, of things, but uh, boy has the, has the tune changed over the course of three weeks here. And I think that's kind of the moral of the story. Yeah. And we
0: have to learn that every year, which is what's so annoying because every year we go through this, right? Every year people think one thing and three weeks later, it's the complete opposite. That that's the beauty of this sport. And uh, even, even as the the guru committee guy. I said it looked not good for Notre Dame once Cincinnati was ranked so far behind, but we did get lucky enough with the outline I had highlighted, right? A two loss Oregon and a two loss big 12 champ. We're pretty much there, right? We're, we're in that situation right now. Um, So do you guys want to move into rivalry week and wrap this thing up or are we still talking about pies? Yeah,
2: let's, uh, let's
0: hit it. All right, we're 18 and a half point favorites to Stanford. Stanford sucks, although Stanford has upset USC, so keep that in mind. Um, and we Oregon. And Oregon. Uh, really? Did they beat yeah. Oregon the
1: first time? Yes, they did.
0: Oh, beautiful Stanford. God, I love Stanford. Um, I actually quite like Stanford. They're a lot like Notre Dame. Uh, we always play really good games. And for the longest time, we could not win in Palo Alto. Uh, that was exercised in 2019. Uh, we, we beat them there um or 20 2018 yeah 2018 anyway point is it's a good game it's a good rivalry it's not a great rivalry it's a good rivalry i'm of two minds here boys one because this is the stanford notre dame game per usual it is going to be very stupidly close or mind number two Notre Dame is rolling in as one of the best teams in the country. Stanford sucks. And Coach Kelly wants style points to impress the committee before conference championship week. I'm of mind, too, I think. I think this is going to be a massacre. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I think because there's no 13th data point, this is really what they need. They, they need a show out here. Uh, winning 55 nothing's huge. Uh, ideally that it went bigger again this week. 70 points would be (laughs) something. Uh, Just a blowout would be something that we're looking for here. Uh, Tariq Bracey, it's going to be almost a home game for him. Uh, I think he's from around that area. Uh, I know he said that there was about 20 to 25 people coming to this game for him. Uh, So it's The seniors' last chance of playing a regular season game, that's going to be important. But really, we just got to we just gotta do what we have to do and, and finish the job. And I think it's gonna be a complete decimation of Stanford, who just lost to Cal. Uh so that's uh that's kind of where I'm at. Just show out, run the ball, throw the ball, no field goals, touchdowns every drive, and then uh then take it from there.
1: Yeah, and, they, they look to be yeah, I'm sorry, I'll let you finish.
2: Oh uh, yeah, just that they did beat Oregon, they lost it straight. Uh, they also lost by 30 to four and six Cal. Uh, besides kick return coverage, they're not very good at anything else. Uh, they're 15th nationally in kick return yards allowed. Uh, they're second in total kick return yards allowed. Uh, so that's something. Uh, they're 110th in scoring for 21 points per game. 121st in total offense. 98th in yards per play. Uh, their defense has given up 31.3 points per game and 445 yards. Uh, they can't intercept a the ball. They can't stack the quarterback. This really is going to just be a coming out party for every part of Notre Dame's offense, defense, and special teams.
1: I was going to say they, they, they don't run the ball well at all. They are more of a, a pass heavy team and. You know, that just means to me they don't have a good offensive line. They're going to rely on the pass, and then when you rely on the pass, that means you have to deal with Myron and Kurt and uh, and Isaiah Foskey and this defensive line, and all i got to say is good luck with that, man. So, uh, Dylan, I, I do agree with uh, with you. I think this is going to look uh, a little bit more similar. I, I think Kevin Austin is going to put up a day just like Chase Claypool had a couple of years back. You know, I'm, I'm still—
0: about- Go ahead, P.
1: Their quarterback just is a,
2: a immobile. I'm just looking up stats right now. He can't run the ball. He's going to be just a tree back there, pun intended.
0: <laughs> and I'm, yeah, but I'm t- even, even a good Stanford struggles to get people to watch them. Um, just it's not a football town, not a football school. Um, a bad Stanford is going to be. There will probably be more Notre Dame fans at this game. Okay. Um, and still, we are prime time because we're Notre Dame and. I love it. I just love that we can turn a three and eight team into primetime rivalry week football. Um, I have not seen Michael Mayer dominate a game yet. We've seen Michael Mayer be amazing all season. We've seen Michael Mayer has been our, one of our horsemen all year, but I want to see Michael Mayer a hundred plus yards, multiple touchdowns. And I think, I think we could do it if we want to. Um, I don't think there's any reason why Notre Dame can't have its way with Stanford. Um, I respect Stanford. Poor David Shaw. I think he's a great coach. I think he's just he he's got stuck <laughs> in a bad situation, and you wonder how long he's got left. Um. That's it. I mean, is is there anything else you guys want to say? Because it's like, how much more straightforward can this game get?
1: No. That. Yeah. The game. I mean,
0: we we are gonna win, and. That- honestly that's it it's just we're we're playing really good football and we should be proud of that and we should take a step back and look at these last five years in which we've won 10 games every year at least we've been the playoff two of the last three and possibly three of the last four uh this is the best time in notre dame football since the early 90s and think about that sentence if you would have said that out loud at any point in the last
1: 30 years you would have been laughed at do I have to get feels like 93 trending again? Do I have to start doing that again? You might oh. have to,
0: Steve, because that 93 team lost one game as
1: well. So and, and we're the quasi-national champions, so I'm starting to get a little bit curious. I'm starting to feel a little tingle down in my pantaloons.
0: Let's get score predictions. Steve, we've been off these last two weeks.
1: We have been. Are, are we feeling uh, the magic tonight? I think so. All right, give me what you got notre dame 45 stanford
0: 10 yeah that's my boy <laughs> we're back baby we're in business i got this got? Notre, notre dame 42 stanford 10 i almost uh, said 42 uh, to 10 dude damn <laughs> I, I i think it could be even bigger that's me being like that's a conservative score for me that is stanford has played us way closer than we should have p it, is it going to be 66 nothing like what's what, what's your score over there
2: Notre Dame fifty eight, Stanford
1: negative three. Okay, okay so they're going to be Fine. relegated as a program to Division two. <laughs> when Stanford when will other not support.
2: score a point, they will not score a point. It's going to be fifty five nothing, and there's going to be a. I'm sorry, I said fifty eight. It's going to be fifty two nothing, and it's going to be the end of the game. Jay Bramble turned going to throw one touchdown pass. <laughs>
0: Wow, wishful thinking. Um, but, but when the NDFB analytics boys ask us our picks for the week, we can't give them negative three. So fifty-eight uh-uh. nothing. Fifty-eight nothing. Um, that's beautiful. I mean, that would what a what a shellacking that would be. Um, and I like Stanford. I don't want to. I don't want to hurt them. But I
1: don't. I
0: don't care about them right now. <laughs> I care about us. They'll score uh,
2: forty-nine in the first half.
1: Let's hope, man. And just get the starters out.
0: That's seven touchdowns on seven possessions
1: Correct. in the first it, half. It can be done. And I want to cool. see Tommy really push this team and really open yeah, up that. Playbook. Guys,
0: we always do this to each other. We always, as soon as Notre Dame looks a little bit good, we all start picking massive blowouts and then it's a tight game. And then we look like idiots. And then we got to come back the next week and be like, Oh, I think this game's going to be closer. And then it's a blowout again. And then the cycle continues. What makes this week different?
1: Notre State Dame 3-0. Nothing. Nothing. All right. <laughs> nothing. Uh,
0: Absolutely. Uh, there's no...
2: The only difference between Stanford and Georgia Tech is the climate. They're the same school.
0: Oh, wow. Well, got, what is it? The Legends Trophy we're playing for, I believe it's called. Uh, yes. Fun fact, Stanford was Notre Dame's first ever national championship bowl game. Uh, in 24, Notre Dame beat Stanford on its way in the Rose Bowl. I think it was 24, it might have been 25. They they, they beat Stanford in the Rose Bowl and are then number one national champions. This game is an old game. Um, I like Stanford, but rip, like rest in peace. It's, uh, it's going to be a bloodbath. Um, so from all of us here at the Forestman Podcast, give us five-star review, like on Apple Podcasts. Um, anchor.fm slash horseman pod listener support you can reach out contribute to us monthly would be greatly appreciated and with that said go irish beat the tree